to the Lord. Luke chapter number 17, the Bible speaks here of a situation that occurred during the time that Jesus was on the earth. Luke chapter number 17, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 11. And it came to pass as he went through Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet giving him thanks and he was a Samaritan and Jesus answering said were there not ten cleansed but where are the nine there are not found that return to give glory to God save this stranger and he said unto him arise go thy way thy faith hath made thee whole let's bow for a word of prayer as we consider this passage father in heaven we're humbled to be here today. We're thankful that we found ourselves in the house of God today. Lord, we know that had you not intervened in our lives, we, we wouldn't be here today. Every person in this room has a story, place where they came from and how they got here. And Lord, I pray that as we consider this scripture today, you would fill our hearts with what we need to be considering during this time of the year and every day of the year. Lord, we pray that you'd help us as we consider this passage this morning. I pray you'd protect me and help me. Help me to only say those things which you would have me to say. And help me to say those things which you would as well. Lord, I pray you'd work on the hearer, work on me, and work in our congregation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We consider the story, we realize that there were ten lepers in the Bible. I'm sure that you're aware that leprosy was an incurable disease. Leprosy is often a picture of sin. Uh, sometimes you might not recognize in our day that you'd have to be separated from your family if you were found with leprosy. Leprosy was extremely contagious in Bible times. If you were found to have leprosy, you would have to be basically excommunicated from society. You couldn't live at home anymore. You couldn't see your wife or your children anymore. You went to a leper colony. When people came up and came close to you, you would have to hold your hand over your mouth and cry unclean, unclean. There was a society all to themselves where these lepers were. People had very little to do with lepers because of their leprosy. But oftentimes during the time of Christ, Jesus healed people of leprosy. In the Old Testament, there was a man named Naaman, a Syrian, who caught leprosy in 2 Kings chapter 5. And when he went to Elisha the prophet, Elisha told him how he could recover himself by dipping in the Jordan seven times. There were people who were healed of leprosy, and there were actually rules in the Old Testament. If you read the books of the law, it tells people how that they might uh, be cleansed. If they were cleansed of their leprosy, it was the priests who would inspect whether or not they were in fact cleansed because they did not want leprosy to infect the camp. This is why when these lepers saw the Lord Jesus, they lifted up their voice. They no doubt had heard the great glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there was no problem that people had during the times of Jesus that Jesus didn't have the ability to help with. 
If it was a blind man named Bartimaeus who said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and called him over because blindness didn't have anything on Christ. He could open the eyes of the blind. There was a man in the scripture who was lame from his birth, who was laid at a pool, and Jesus came up to him and told him to arise and take up his bed and walk. His lameness from his birth didn't have anything on Jesus. Jesus had the power to raise him up. And just as he had the power to do these things, these ten lepers, when they saw Jesus coming through their village, they took their chance. The Bible talks about his entering into there. And, you know, many times, and we've covered this before in John chapter number four, you remember how that Jesus was leaving a certain place and he needed to go through Samaria. Samaria was looked down upon by the Jewish people. The Jewish people considered Samaritans to be half-breeds. They had a a Jewish parent and a non-Jewish parent. They weren't, their pedigree wasn't pure Jewish. And because of that, they were looked down upon. And the Jews had a great deal of, they had a great deal of what we would call in our society racism. They looked down upon them because of where they came from. There are people who look down on me because I'm not from Texas. I'm still on probation. (laughs) There are people who do look at the color of someone's skin or their ethnicity or where they came from, and they cast judgment upon them, and they have a prejudice in their heart. Sometimes it comes from your parents. Sometimes it comes from the culture. But what I can tell you is Jesus had none of it. Jesus loved people of all different cultures and races. And Jesus brought people, and even in the Old Testament, there were people who were not Jewish, who got saved, who God did good things for. As a matter of fact, when Jesus was preaching in his hometown in Nazareth, he used two people who were not Jews, who got saved and helped from God as a, as a lesson to them. And they, his hometown tried to throw him off of a mountain because they didn't like his preaching. I want to tell you something. Jesus didn't just come to save the Jews. Jesus came to save Gentiles, thank the Lord. If you're a Gentile in the house, you could say amen to that. Thank the Lord that Jesus came to save Gentiles. This was Samaria. Notice in verse 11, the Bible says he passed through the midst again of Samaria and Galilee. Many times Jewish people would go to great lengths and pains to travel outside there because they didn't want to be confronted with Samaritans and they didn't want to have anything to do with Samaritans. Read John chapter 4 where our Jesus started talking to the woman at the well and she said, what are you doing talking to me? Jews don't talk to Samaritans, but that wasn't our Jesus. Our Jesus talked to people of different cultures, of different races. And Jesus cared about people. And as he entered into this village, there these men, that they, they saw Jesus coming in. The Bible says they stood afar off. They dare not get close to Jesus, but they began to cry out to Jesus. They cried out to the right one. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. You know, there's always mercy with the Lord. The Bible talks about the Lord's mercy being everlasting. If there's someone here today and you're not saved and you've never experienced the mercy of God, God's mercy is everlasting. His mercy was on these lepers here. His mercy is on alcoholics and drug addicts. His mercy is upon people who've been to jail. His mercy is upon people who've disobeyed and dishonored their parents. His mercy is on people who many times have failed in this life. God's mercy is evident and it's real. The Bible actually says that his mercies are new every morning. We just sang that song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Could you say along with the songwriter, 
All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Which of us has gone without a meal this week because we were too poor to pay for one? God feeds the hungry. The Bible even talks about this in the book of the Psalms. The Lord gives food to the hungry. The Lord blesses. The Lord gives mercies. He gives us uh, their blessings that we should see every day. The Lord's mercies are real, and His mercy is, ever, is, is from everlasting, and it's too everlasting. There's never going to come a day when the Lord's mercy is not available. The Lord is real, and His mercies are here, and they are available. The Bible speaks about His mercy lasting for eternity. We're thankful for that. And we see what took place here where Jesus told these lepers to just go on. Stop right where you're at, and you just go on down to the priest's. And show yourselves to the priests. There was a little bit of obedience that was required of them. They could have stopped and said, wait a second, Jesus told us to go, but we haven't been healed yet. But they didn't. They all obeyed the Lord. They did exactly what the Lord said. You know, when you do what the Lord says, things tend to work out for you. Young people, you can't go wrong living for the Lord. You won't go wrong living for the Lord. You won't go wrong doing things the Lord's way. You say, how do I do things the Lord's way? Read this book. You'll do things the Lord's way. You obey this book. You know, the Bible talks about good things coming to those who work. God has, God has a lot to say about slothfulness in the Bible. Read through the Proverbs and mark how many times it talks about going by the field of the slothful. God has nothing good in store for people who are lazy. You must work. You know what God gives to those who work? He gives help. Psalm chapter 37 and verse 23, the Bible says, David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. That means if you're living righteously, I, David said, I've been a young man and now I'm an old man, but I've never somebody, seen somebody living for the Lord who God let him down. God won't let you down either. We say, well, God's not doing too well for me. Well, sometimes you need to get busy and work. Because God won't work for you. And by the way, nobody else can work for you either. You have to work for yourself. I was taught this from a young age. When my dad was laid off from work, he didn't sit on his blessed assurance. He went out and got to work. We did paper routes. We got up early in the morning in the middle of snow. I don't know if you realize this, but, but winters in Michigan are a little bit different than the winters down here in Fort Worth. We got a lot of snow. You know what had to be delivered in the morning? Papers. Paper outs. I was talking to my brother about this yesterday. I remember thinking to myself, one day we'd, we'd gone out to deliver papers and my dad needed to get out of the, the driveway to get to work. And, and me and my brother and probably my sister too. No, my sister never did nothing. No, I'm just kidding. But we, we shoveled that driveway. We shoveled the drive so my dad could get his car out of the driveway. And you know what he brought home from work that day? He brought a snowblower home. I said, Dad, if you're going to buy a snowblower, why not get it this morning? broke our backs shoveling snow to get him out of the driveway. You know, snow, it didn't hold us from church. You know, now in Michigan, you get out in the snow. If you want to know somebody who gets out in the snow, you just talk to my sweet wife. If it snows around here, I can tell you somebody's going to be on the road. Her name is Loretta. She's going to get out. She's going to make a reason to get it. You say, why would you drive in the snow? She likes it. She likes driving in the snow. And her car's an all-wheel drive car, so we're okay. But uh, I'm just here to tell you, my dad taught us the, the importance of work. If you weren't taught the importance of work, you need to learn how. You know, when we didn't have enough money, you know what my dad did? He got a second job. 
You know what a second job means? It means he worked 40 hours one place and he got a second job so he could put food on the table. You know what God did? He provided for us. And I thank God that God put that kind of example in my family. Some of you don't have a good example about hard work. All you need to do is make a decision. I am going to work hard. You ought to work hard. You ought to be thankful that God gives you a body to work. We ought to be thankful for the health we have. We ought to be thankful for the the mental acuities that we have. Everything you have that's good came from God. The Bible talks about them going as, as they went. You know, somehow, some way, they started to be cleansed of their leprosy. You know, if you didn't take care of leprosy, if leprosy didn't, if it had its way with you, your digits would start falling off. And it would get up into your bloodstream and it would kill you. But somehow as they were going, as they were on their way to the priest, they looked down and they saw what used to be their, their, their flesh which had been afflicted with this terrible disease. And somehow they were made right. They were made, they were made whole again. <laughs> what a glorious day that was, wasn't it? The Bible says, and as they went, they were cleansed. I mean, their hearts were filled with goodness and gladness. No doubt they started thinking about their lives, that I've got my life back. I'm going to be able to go back home. I'm going to be able to hug my family. I'm going to be able to rejoin society. I'm not going to have to live in this leper colony. But we know here, based on the scripture, that there there are more many times who receive the benefits who end up giving praise for them. Many of us have experienced a life where we've had good eyesight. My mother promised me that if I ate my carrots, I would have good eyesight. There's absolutely no truth to that. If you don't eat carrots, you're gonna, you may have good eyesight. And if you eat a ton of carrots, you could have terrible eyesight. Never believe that. And if your parents tell you you're eating juicy steak and pour gravy over liver and it gets stuck between your teeth, it's not juicy steak, it's liver. They're lying to you. Life and health and eyesight and hearing. How about having the love of a family? You know, I was born into a good family, a mother and a father, working together, trying to raise us children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I had a great admiration for my dad for being the hard worker that he was. I thank the Lord for him. I thank the Lord for a good dad. Thank the Lord for a good mom. You know, when we were out there delivering those paper routes, my mom was out there too. We contributed together as a family. As I was reminiscing with my brother yesterday, he was talking about certain meals that my mother made that made a difference in his life. And certainly they made a difference in mine. You can see that from me. But we had a blessing of family. There was love in our family. When's the last time you gave God thanks for the good family you came from, for the good things? You say, well, I didn't have a dad like you. (laughs) There's something that you can put your eyes on and be thankful for. You know, an attitude of ingratitude is a quick way to fall out of favor with God. We do not, many times people fail to praise the Lord. You know, they fail to praise the Lord. They fail to give God the same praise as they do their prayers. You know, I'm not going to criticize people for praying. We should never uh, criticize people for praying. How many of you have ever done more praying than you have praising? Where does praise come in your life? When's the last time you stopped and just said, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you for for making yourself known to me. Lord, thank you for everything you've given me. The place I live, my health, my eyesight, the shoes that are on my feet. Lord, thank you for what you... When's the last time you gave God true praise? Many times people can't remember 
praising Him, but God tells us to praise Him continually. His praise should continually be in our mouths, according to Psalm chapter number 34. It is remarkable that, that many people pray a whole lot more than they give praise. Shouldn't it be the other way around? You say, but pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. I, I went to the doctor and I found out some bad news. I want to tell you something. You shouldn't praise God any less when you get bad news than when you get good news. You shouldn't praise God any less if your child goes wayward or if your child makes the right decisions. You ought to praise God because God's worthy of your praise and your glory. You say, well, I'm not going to praise God till he gives me something to praise him for. He's given everybody something to praise him for. Many times people have come to church and it soothes their conscience. It soothes their conscience because, hey, we did something religious today. But did you actually come to the Lord's house in order to praise Him? Did you come to the Lord's house today to sing to the Lord? Not just because it's the, pay, the, the words on a page that someone wrote. I came today to worship the Lord, to give Him praise. Many times our prayer requests start out as if God is some kind of in heaven and this is what I want from you give me this and give me that give me this and give me that I want to tell you something today friend when you begin to pray you ought to start praying the way the Lord told us to start our father which art in heaven holy hallowed is thy name you should start praying for the things God wants to see and you ought to start praising the Lord too I want to praise you Lord you know it's it's always better to praise the Lord for who he is and what he's done. You see a little bit of praising going on here. The Lord was pleased with praise. You know our prayers, gonna, our praises to the Lord are going to be things that come from our hearts and is based upon who we are as people. I came from a different background than most of you. I only know of one other person that uh, was in Michigan and got saved and baptized in Michigan and that's my dear sister Miss Annette Grimble who was in Michigan and was baptized by Buchamp Vick in Temple Baptist Church in Detroit. Not many people can say that. Buchamp Vick came after J. Frank Norris, whose grave is here in Fort Worth. <laughs> but my background's different. I was, raised, I was raised to a General Motors factory worker. I was raised in the North. It was like I was raised in the South because everybody from Kentucky came to our church. And all of our preachers were from Western Kentucky. Now you can't praise the Lord the way I can because we're individuals, but you can praise the Lord from who, for who you are and what God has given you. Sometimes people, they focus on all the negatives that they have in their life and they, they wallow in pain and they choose to focus upon that which they didn't have as opposed to what God has given them. I'm here to tell you even if you didn't come from a good family the way I did, if you weren't raised in church the way I did, if you didn't have good examples the way I did, you can still be thankful that God brought you out and that God has saved your soul and he's turning you into somebody that God can be, that God can be used with. You know, there are some people in this room, this is their first generation as being a Christian. I'm a second generation Christian. I've got children who are sitting back here and they I pray that they're going to be third generation Christians but sometimes there are people who are starting fresh 
And how did God get a hold of your heart, those of you who are starting fresh? I'm here to tell you, if you didn't have good parents and spiritual parents, you can start setting a good example to your family now, and you can give your children memories to where they could be thankful for it. You say, my dad's not coming to church, or my mom's not coming to church. God can still do something in their lives. You can praise the Lord. You ought to praise the Lord even before those things take place. You say, well, I'm not going to praise until. You need to praise God now. You need to praise Him for what He has done. Men's thankfulness. You know, when you think about what this man did, the Bible says that he stopped. The Bible says in one of them, in verse number 15, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. You know, you just can't help but praise. Sometimes, you know, when we're in church, we see people are lifting their hands and they're thanking the Lord for something. There's been some times when I was in church and somebody had sang a song when I just had to lift up my voice and shout amen or thank you, Jesus. Sometimes during the preaching goes on, uh, sometimes I don't even say amen when somebody's preaching. I just say, thank you, Lord. The pastor's preaching on salvation and he's preaching on the Holy Spirit, convicting the hearts. And I remember the day that Jesus got a hold of me and I said, Lord, thank you, Lord. Sometimes you glorify God with a loud voice. You know what? Your family needs to hear you glorifying God. I want to give God the praise for what he's doing in my life. We need to praise the Lord. This man, he, he glorified God. He glorified him. The Bible says in verse 15 with a loud voice. There's some people who can't sing to the Lord. They've never praised the Lord because they have a heart that is empty towards Christ, towards God. I want to tell you something that can heal you of your lack of praise is the issue of salvation. When you get saved, you're going to have something to thank the Lord about. But you know, pastor, I don't believe in all this stuff. I don't believe in heaven and I don't believe in hell. Here to tell you, the Bible's words are true. And Jesus even loved those who would reject him. Jesus loves people. And by the way, when you start giving God glory and praise, God can start doing something in your extended family too. You oughtn't to let your family pull you away from church around these holiday times. You ought to be in church the more when we come to the holiday times. You say, wait a second, Christmas is about our family. Oh, well, if you're really going to celebrate Christmas for what, for what we're supposed to, it was about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Shouldn't we come to church around Christmas? Yes. Amen. Shouldn't we praise the Lord around Christmas? Yes. Shouldn't we talk about the Lord around Christmas? I mean, it's not just about the exchanging of gifts. The Bible talks about for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you know Jesus in salvation, you've received that gift. That's the greatest gift you could ever give. What better thing to institute into your family and to talk to them about the, the gift of the Lord Jesus at Christmas time. Many people are very selfish around Christmas. By the way, Christmas has been very commercialized, hasn't it? You know, we got to keep up with this one and that one. And you know what? If you didn't get any gifts at Christmas and you had the love of Jesus Christ in your heart, you've got everything you need. Amen. You know, this man came back immediately. He didn't wait. Not all of them come back, but one of them did. The Bible says that he came back. It says one of them, when he saw that he was healed, when he saw his, before he went to the priest, when he saw that he was healed, he came running back to the Lord. And the Bible says that he fell down at his feet. And he fell down on his face. There's a couple of things that this speaks to. First of all, how quickly he got back to the Lord. 
You know, when you got saved, I hope you, like me, wanted to get back to church and couldn't wait for the moments of praise and praying and preaching. You know, God's church really excites the people of God. Being around Jesus is something that's born inside of our hearts. Some things come with the birth. You know, my wife and I have had five children, and there hadn't been one of those kids who had to be taught how to eat. They were all born hungry, and they told you when they wanted to eat, some more than others. But I can tell you this, they all wanted to eat. They just came with the birth. They were hungry. The Bible talks about this in 1 Peter chapter number 2, where it talks about as a newborn babe desiring the sincere milk of the word. If you got saved, you're going to have a desire for the things of God. If you got saved, you're going to have a love for his house. Some people were drugged to church, not because they wanted to come to church, but because they have to. Mom or dad made them come. You should come to church because you love the Lord. You ought to come to church because you get to, not because you have to. Aren't you thankful for those things that take place in our lives once the Lord gives, gets, saves our souls and does something good for us? There's a living praise. It's, it's an individual praise. It comes from our hearts, from our experience. There was a promptness to it. There was, an, there was a real response. It was an immediate response. You know, some things come gradually when you get saved. You know, when you get saved, sometimes you don't know that certain things you're doing are wrong. And then when you come into contact with them, if you're following the Lord, you're going to be willing to say, you know what, I'm going to get this changed in my life. I'm going to do something different in my life. I remember hearing a story of one of the people who preached here at this church. I remember having a, a carpet cleaner come on to my place. And uh, he, he, his, name was, uh, his last name was Murray. And he said, you know, I met your pastor the day he got saved. And he said, you know, when he first come to church and he came to church here in the Dallas, Texas area, he said he wore pointed cowboy boots. He said he had the longest hair that I'd ever seen. And he looked mean. He looked like a barroom fighter. Thomas Smith, one of the kindest, gentlest men that I've ever been around, a godly man, a truthful man, when he got saved, was wearing pointed cowboy boots and had long hair. Long hair. He said it was halfway down his back. One day, Pastor Smith come in my office. He gave me an office next to him when we were up there working together. And he showed a picture to me. He said, that middle one's me. I said, look at what Jesus did in my pastor's life. Turned my pastor from a fighter into somebody who's the lover of the souls of men. A man who would go to a jail and preach to them. A man who start ministries like nursing home ministries and, and jail ministries and preach to masses of people and write devotional books and have family altar with his family and take his children to visitation and, and have desires that his children would serve the Lord. That's what God did in his life. You know, nobody ever had to tell him to cut his hair. That's what that's what. And I don't need to tell anybody cut their hair either. You know, when you get right with God, there's just some things that will just come with it. It'll come with it. And Brother Smith, he got some things right in his life. I remember going through an old picture book of my, fa uh, of my parents. And I came across this picture, and I'm sure I've told you this before, but I came across a picture, and I didn't recognize the man in the photo. Had his shirt off. Had long hair. There was alcohol cans around, and everything about that picture said I didn't know that man. And I, I held that picture up to my dad. I said, who, who is this? He said, I told your mother to get rid of that picture. He said, that's me, son. I want to tell you something. When God gets a hold of your heart, some things will change. When God gets a hold of your heart, he'll put you in a new direction. 
And I'm here to say thank you, and I want to glorify God for what He's done in the lives of people. If God got a hold of you, you'd be willing to do some things. Amen. You say, oh no, Pastor, you're, you're going way old school now on us. You're, you're going all this old-fashioned stuff. I want to tell you, the same God that saved my pastor is the same God that will save you. And the same thing's going to happen to you in your life. It'll be, it'll be a prompt response. It would also be a showing of the kind of spiritual nature. That we have. Once you get saved, you take on a glorified nature. It's a holy nature. You receive that inside of yourself and praise. It's something that excites your heart. It's something that does, it's good for you. You know, it speaks of our humility. Notice, there's some people who've never bowed to the Lord. Never, never once got on their knees, said, Hey, Lord, I'm here to speak to you. You know why we get on our knees? Because we're talking to somebody who's above us. You ever been in a service where somebody just crawled out before the Lord and just fell down? I remember being in a church, never had seen it before in my life. I went to a church where people would bow down at an altar. I was at a church in Louisville, Kentucky. And I mean, when they called men down to the altar to pray, there was a man who basically, he came down like he was going into second base. And he got all the way down on his face before the Lord. And began to pray just like this to the Lord. He put his nose to the carpet and he began to pray. You ever prayed like that to the Lord? You know why he did that? Well, why did this man do that? The Bible says in verse 16, and he fell down on his face at his feet. You really think that when I get to heaven or when you get to heaven, we're just going to be like, hey, Lord, double tap. How you doing? The Bible talks about beautiful feet. There's not much beautiful about feet. My wife and I have a prenuptial agreement that she wouldn't have to touch mine. And we've tried to honor that throughout our life. The Bible talks about how beautiful are the feet of those that preach the gospel of peace. You know what they did to our Savior's feet? They put a, they put a spike through his feet. That speaks to the bruising of the that would go about the Lord Jesus Christ. That Satan bruised his heel. That spike went through his precious feet. You know, I look forward to seeing the Lord in heaven. And I hope if I'm that, if I get just some time with Jesus alone, that I could fall down on my face and hold him by his precious feet and say thank you for coming to this wicked place for a little sinner like me. A young man from East Detroit, Michigan, without hope. I wasn't, I wasn't a Jew. I had, no, I had nothing to claim. My pedigree, I, I, I had nothing of my own, my own merit. But Jesus decided to come down here to this earth and to save my soul. I'm thankful for that. Sometimes it's a good thing to get on your face. You know what? You won't ever do that if you don't catch something called humility. I want to tell you this. For those of you who you're good enough to go to heaven... You know, you've always been saved. There's something that you experience. It's called humility. You have to acknowledge, before you get saved, you have to acknowledge that you are, in fact, lost. Right. Nobody gets saved without acknowledging that you're lost. You know, no one who hasn't humbled themselves or hasn't become humble would ever be saved. You say, in the Scripture, that God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble and to the lowly. Humility is...
prepared for salvation. And this man, when he was healed of his leprosy, he didn't say, hey, I had this coming to me. He was so thankful that he fell down on his face at the feet of the Lord. And the Bible says he gave him thanks in verse 16. And the Bible says, and he was a Samaritan. It wasn't the Jewish people who came back. It was a Samaritan person that came back. You know, true thankfulness is truly shown in our humility. When we fall at Jesus' feet, and we are not perfectly in place until we have, you say, Pastor, I can't get on my face the way, and, and that, that, that's probably true. There are some people who health-wise, you shouldn't even get on your knees because you're going to need two or three people to help you up. But there are some of us who have the ability to get down on our knees. It would probably do us good to pray from a prostrate position sometimes. By the way, we need the Lord. There are certain things you can't do for your children, but Jesus can. And until you start realizing as a parent, you don't have the ability to change what's going on in their heart, but God does. That's why we come to the Lord and we give our prayers to the Lord. But I want to tell you, we ought to, we ought to get this praise thing right. We ought to be praising the Lord. In spite of the fact that everything's maybe not going right in our lives, God still is worthy of our praise. You say, oh, you just talk about this like you're just supposed to praise the Lord when you're down. You're exactly right. You know how many times I've come to church and you hear people, oh, I need a job. Pastor, we need a job. Please pray for us. We need to get this job. Back in 2008 when the economy crashed, you guys might remember this. Our church where I was attending had a bunch of contractors in there. These guys were starving. They were hungry for work. They weren't sure if they were going to be able to make their next house payment. And we had a house full of people down at the altar calling out to the Lord, praying to him that he would give them jobs. And God turned some things around and they began to start working. And some of them were just totally blessed. And some of them started praising God and praised God just as long as they prayed for that job. But other ones quickly forgot. They prayed for months that they might receive a, a, a job and then they praised just a little bit. Some of us ought to be a whole lot about praise. A whole lot about praise. We ought to have praise in its perfect, perfect place. There's another thing here that I want to point out before we go on. You know, sometimes we're professionals at looking at other people at how they're responding to things. You hear that? The pastor said you ought to get on his knee, on your knees and pray. I hadn't seen you at the altar often. Husbands and wives giving the old elbow to each other. Did you hear that? You hear that? Texting each other in service. Pastor just hit on you. I want to tell you something. For those of you who are constantly looking at other people in your own family and in the church, you got plenty of stuff to figure out on your own before you start inspecting everybody and, and, and their family. You know, we, we oughtn't to be professionals at judging other people. Now, there's people, there's always going to be eyes on people at church. Well, I want to hear, I'm here to tell you something. You got a 24 hour a day job working on the stuff that you got going on in your life, much less trying to look at other people's lives. And one of the things Jesus said here, and this is, this is kind of a fine point in this, where Jesus asked this man a question and he remained silent. You know why? Because there was some humility in his life. He didn't feel like he was qualified to answer. And Jesus answering said in verse 17, Are there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? He goes on to say, There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. He was silenced. He was silent when it came to commenting on the lives of other people. You know what? Other people may not come back to say thank you to the Lord, but I'm going to. Yeah. 
Everybody that I went to church with when I was growing up, some of them, they're not going to church anymore. They've walked their, they've turned their back on God, but you know what? I'm not going to focus on them. I'm still going to be enamored by what God has done in my life. You know, nobody else has control over how I praise the Lord. You say, Pastor, what, what if your children don't live just the way that you want it? You think I'm going to stop praising God because my children made bad choices? There was a time in my life when I made bad choices. I'm still going to praise the Lord. You mean you're going to praise the Lord when people are having homes that are falling apart and bad things are happening in America? Haven't you been listening to the news how the Russians and the Chinese, they're coming together against Israel and all the stuff we've been hearing about for years during the preaching and prophecy meetings. Oh, you're, you're still going to praise the Lord? Hey, listen, though the earth be removed, I'm still going to praise the Lord. And I'm going to trust in my God. The United States economy might fall apart. Your 401k and anything you've invested in the stock market might go down. Or the United States dollar isn't worth what it used to be worth. You think I'm threatening and I'm not scared? No, I'm going to trust in the Lord. God's going to take care of us. We ought to be praying and praising the Lord for these things. There's a blessed thing to thank the Lord. And I just want to say based on this, this one point from verses 17 and 18, maybe if you did a whole lot more praising and a lot less talking about what your neighbors are doing, there might be some more prayer going up for people who they need help in their lives. You know, there was a time in my life when I saw a teenager. And boy, when I saw that teenager, I started judging her parents. Well, if her parents were right with God, then this and that. I had some of the most ugly heart thoughts that a man could ever have. You know what I should have been doing when I saw that she was out of the will of God? I should have got on my knees and prayed for her. And I should have been praising the Lord. You know, instead of throwing stones at people, maybe you ought to pray for them a little more. <laughs> you know, everybody's not at the same stage of spiritual growth. This world can be pretty enticing, you know that? But God is greater than this world. If God's people praise Him, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. Somebody told me this morning that they were praying for me. I thank God for your prayers. I want this church to be able to come together and praise the Lord together. There were some praises going on. This, uh, we're doing pie and praise this week. This isn't going to be a time where we're going to be coming together and talking about all the things that are ailing us. Amen? Yeah. We all could take a, a litany of things that are taking place in our lives that aren't going the right way. But we're coming together for the, the precise purpose to praise the Lord. And also to put some pie in the ministry. Praising is acceptable to the Lord. Notice the Lord didn't say, you know what? You were supposed to go your, show yourself to the priest. He didn't, he didn't rebuke this man for coming back to him before he went to the priest. He commended him. And the Bible says in verse 19, And he said unto him, Arise, and go thy way. He also said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Several times in the New Testament, Jesus said, Thy faith hath made thee whole. You might remember the woman who touched the hem of his garment, and he brought healing to her body. He said, Your faith has made thee whole. There was that man who said, Lord, I believe. And then he said, Help thou mine unbelief. That he was, he, in, the midst, in the middle of his believing the Lord, he was recognizing that there was a lack, and he was asking the Lord to bring him help. I want to tell you today, friend, God wants us to praise him. Yeah. He invited this man to praise. He enjoyed the praise that he, that he got to him. And he said, Arise and go thy way. Whether this man went to the priest or not, let's go to the Lord. Have you come to the Lord today? 
Has His praise been continually in your mouth? If you failed to praise God through the difficulties of life, I want to encourage you today to put praise in its proper place. There are people today who have a broken heart over some kind of an issue. I don't think that there's any person that's of any age who hasn't gone through some manner of a broken heart. You know what the Bible has to say about a broken heart? That the Lord is close to them who have a broken heart. You know what broken hearted people ought to do? They ought to praise the Lord. The Bible talks about binding up their wounds. You know, we need to praise God before He even comes forth with an answer. Amen. We ought to praise the Lord before He delivers it to us, before He delivers the answer. Many times you read the Psalms where David is praising God for his future deliverance. I don't know how you're going to get me out of this, but I'm praising you for what you're going to do. My, my heart, my countenance is going to be on you. Maybe somebody's in this room today and you don't know the praise that comes from the heart of someone who's been saved, who's been forgiven. If God's working in your heart for salvation, I want to encourage you to come during the invitation. But there could be some of God's people today and you've been focusing way too much on your problems. Way too much on the hurts and the pains. And you've prayed for all those things. And maybe you're doing more praying than you are praising. Why don't we put praise in its proper place today? That's for God's people. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. We'll prepare for this verse of invitation. Could be somebody here today who needs to be saved. Father in heaven. We're coming into your presence this morning, and we thank you, Lord, for meeting with us. There are people today here, Lord, who no doubt needs to get before a place with you and to praise you. Some are already coming, Lord. And I pray you do a work in their hearts as they praise you, as they separate from the pain for a bit and start thanking you for what you've done. I pray, Lord Jesus you'd work during this invitation. Lord, if you're working in people's lives for getting right with you, for salvation, Lord, it'd be a blessing to see someone saved. It'd be a blessing to see somebody get their heart right with the Lord. I pray you'd work during this invitation. I pray your help about this congregation. I pray this in the name of Jesus. As Brother John sings, just Brother John, on this first verse of Pass Me Not, if God's spoken to you, won't you come? Don't wait. God said something to you. Just be obedient to Him. So I'm coming on. Step out. Come down to the altar and do business with the Lord. sing on verse 2.
said, I'd rather get out of church at 1220 and having the Lord working on the lives of people than beat every other church in this town to the restaurants. I, uh, you know, right in the middle of service, I, I, got a, I got a hot flash the way I hadn't had in a long time. So I'm not going to be in the back shaking hands. I'm going to go get my beach towel and dry off. I want to tell you something. It's a blessing to be in God's house. God's working in the lives of people. And uh, I hope that whatever he's doing in your life and in your heart, that you'll be obedient to him. You will be all the better for surrendering your life to do what the Lord is calling you to do. And, uh, you know, may God bless you. I thank the Lord for uh, being in the Lord's house today. It's been a great day in the Lord's house. We have services tonight at 6 p.m. I want to encourage you to be back uh, tonight. Don't forget, as we uh, go into this week, we're having Tuesday nights, uh, Pie and Praise. If you do have a phone, most of us have one. Get on your calendar and mark down that you're, we're meeting here at 7 o'clock for Pie and Praise. And uh, mark it on your calendar. Put an alert down there. Remind yourself so you don't forget. We're meeting at church on Tuesday. It'll be a great time for us to come and fellowship together. We had a good Wednesday night meeting last week, didn't we? Those of you who were in that little room and we were singing with the sound system and uh, me and John were doing little, uh, we, we did a choreographed uh, song. Wasn't that a blessing? You know, I got peace like a river. We might do that song again this week and make everybody laugh. Brother John says it's hard to embarrass me. Uh, but we can think of certain ways that we might be able to embarrass John. But uh, anyhow, uh, don't forget, be back here tonight, 6 p.m. Pray for one another and those that you weren't able to see. I'm going to call on Brother Davison to come to the pulpit and dismiss this service in prayer, please. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your blessings, Lord. Thank you for your goodness to us and your faithfulness. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to remember that, to remember the good things you've done for us, Lord, and that we don't deserve anything good, Lord. We deserve uh, eternity in hell, but you saved us, you loved us, and Lord, we thank you for that. Lord, help us to live a life that would honor and glorify you in everything that we do, everything that we say. Bring us back safely tonight for the services and uh, be with us this afternoon. May your, may your perfect will be done. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.